Pebre and Marielle Smith. Join us as we dive beyond the surface of our writing practice. Hi, Marielle. Good morning, Lou. What are we talking about today? Today, we are talking about animals and writing, or I would say animal writing. Ah. Not the way that animals stop you from writing, which is my theme. All the way, my one of my cats just torn down every soft surface I put up to make this recording sound better. <laughs> They yeah, all the just, way. They're trying to help. They're trying to help. Yeah, all the way Fleur tries to sit on my keyboard when I'm writing. <laughs> yeah. No, animals uh, in, in in our writing. Yes, and I picked this topic, as you pointed out, even though I don't have animals <laughs> in my writing. <laughs> but this, that's just perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but I know you do. I do, yes. Actually, and, and I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about it. This particular novel I'm writing right now, it's horrid. Um, but I'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Um, but how about we start it's... with why you don't have animals? Because I'm like, you, you picked the topic. So I was expecting this whole sort of how you go about <laughs> putting animals in your writing. And then you're like, well, I don't have animals <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's, thank you for suggesting the topic. Uh, what do you want to say about it? I, I don't have animals in my writing because I'm too emotionally connected to animals. So I, I couldn't have anything bad happen to them. I hate it. I hate it when you read a book and there's a dog in it because the, you're worried all the way through that something's going to happen to the dog. Yeah, I get, yeah, I get that, but it doesn't always. So, so this is very genre specific, of course, because if you're a romance reader, you have less to fear about what's going to happen to the dog. <laughs> yes, I suppose so, yeah. Unless the whole novel is about people connecting over the loss of their animals or something. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah. that is probably clear from the blurb, I would say. Um, isn't there a film in which there's a there's something with the dead? I don't know. Um, I didn't see it. Uh, there but, will be. But something always happens. The dog's always threatened in some way. But that I mean that is used as that that is used. There's a purpose to that. Yes. But you still hate it. Yes, I'm limited. What you're saying is I'm limiting myself. Well, isn't that the the overall theme of the podcast? Ah. All the ways in which we're limiting ourselves. <laughs> it's the overarching theme of my life. <laughs> yeah, I think all of our lives actually. Um yes. no, I'm just I'm just um because it's so okay. So as a reader, right? How happy are you when the dog's safe? 
the dogs rest. I, I'm I'm happy when the dog's safe, but I can't cope with the emotional turmoil of the dog being in danger. I do get I do get what you mean. Um, I recently, for the first time ever, saw breakfast at Tiffany's. Have you seen that? The film. The film. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen it? Yeah. So, yeah. So there's a cat in there. I mean, I can spoil this. There is. I mean, I probably am the last person of my particular generation who hasn't seen it. So in the end, she kind of freaks out and then she dumps the cat into the street. I know. I was just... So I was not really... So for me, it's like she she's having this sort of emotional breakdown he is struggling and I was just like the cat cat." and it was raining yeah so and then they and and I was just so pissed with her because I'm like you can't and I think it's partly because in Cyprus it happens a lot that people are like some people do try to find homes if they have to leave the country for whatever reason um but but it, it happens too often that people are just like oh yeah we're leaving and sometimes they leave the cats inside or they leave them on their balconies and the cats cannot really escape and they just leave the country so for me I think it was also that sort of personal connection that she's about to get on a plane (laughs) right to marry this this, yeah uh what is he Argentinian Brazilian or something and so she and, and and she just drops the cat on the streets, I was just like, oh, that was like the, the most emotional mm. <laughs> moment of all. There's no excuse for that. There's no oh. excuse for abandoning an animal like that. No. And the thing is, when they made the film, they probably didn't think twice about using but, the cat in such a way. But not. They, I mean, in the end, they find a cat. I know, but. Like she, the poor she, cat was yeah. wet. She gets out of her, she gets out of her stupor, whatever the fuck she was in, and she's just, you know, she did go back to get the cat. So mm. all is what if, she, what if, she, yeah, but what if she couldn't find the cat? That's what me. That's what had me going. Like you, like poor cat. Oh yeah. So I do get it. I do get it. Yeah. And even yeah. then, like even after she found the cat, I was still so pissed with her. So the whole thing, I wouldn't I, the whole film for me. Yeah. So my partner was looking at me, and she was like, because she just wanted to share this uh, this classic film with me, and I was just I couldn't stop. <laughs> she was looking at me like I should have known that this was going to happen. Um, yeah. But they they. They treat the cat, the filmmakers treat the cat like it hasn't got any feelings. And that the only thing that they, it's it's about her feelings for the cat. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, I do get so, it. I do I do completely so, get yeah. I do completely get you. Yeah. Even though they did end on a happy note, all three of them are together. Um so yeah, but I But just, it's that emotional oh. trauma. Yeah, yeah, so uh, what a period between the dumping and the finding. So I'm pretty sure that a lot of people have completely different sentiment when they think of breakfast at Tiffany's. And for me, it will always be about the cat. 
her <laughs> selfishness and not with her shit before she dumps the cat. Yeah. Yeah, she's almost yeah. with her shit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So is that the reason ha- you don't write animals into your work? It is. It is. Because the animal would take over. For me on an emotional level, the animal would take over. So can you not even put like animals just as companion species in the novel? So nothing happens to them. They're just there. Like they're not connected to the plot. Well, but the problem with that is that the, that things always happen to the characters in your novel. So that's got to have an impact on the animal. But but what of the okay, so but what of the animals are just like in the periphery? So your main character does not necessarily have a pet, but one of the secondary but, characters to whom nothing happens. But do you do you read novels where where there is a periphery animal and then they go on a journey and you're like, what happened to the dog? Who's looking after the dog? Why doesn't it say who's looking after the dog? How can you leave your dog? You can't just leave your dog all day. And I do read novels where there is where the main character has dogs. I'm thinking of one particular novel. And I'm always like, you're out all day. You're out investigating stuff all day. What's happening to your dogs? And then occasionally she'll have someone go and look in on the dogs. But I think those dogs have got a shit life because you're always out. You stay out all night and your dogs are left at home. So for me... That means that whoever developmental edited this novel did not pay attention to this because this would definitely be something that I think as an animal lover, I would pick up on this. Mm. And I would be like, if if they have a career like this, then why did they get the dogs in the first place or the cats or whatever? Exactly. So, and this is, of course, something that you can put in a novel. Like you can easily write... If, if a person is extremely busy, you could easily write that the pet belonged to someone else who had to give it up. And you were just like, oh, for fuck's sake, I'll have I'll, I'll, I'll have it. Or like maybe it was your mom's dog and she passed. And right. So you can easily bring it into the novel why the animal is inconvenient. Right. That could actually even help layer your character because they want to take care of the animal but it's a struggle well, to that's yeah that's what the uh, her character is the rescue animals so her character is about her character and who she is and the fact that she rescues these dogs and cares and stuff like that um but i, I still get annoyed but I- with how long she leaves the dogs <laughs> Yeah, that's just, but also maybe, so this is for me, if you write animals into your work and you're not, like, I would never write a dog into my work without asking other people whether it's reasonable what I'm doing, right? Like, I have in my current series that I'm working on, the 15 novel uh, thing, there is a dog, one of the characters uh, uh, owns a dog, actually, 
he he took the dog, he stole the dog from his soon-to-be ex-husband when he fled the house because um, he had to escape the the situation. But when they go on like on a like a case, right? If they have like a mystery to solve, the dog will stay. Like they all live in in on an estate. So the yeah. dog just stays with the parents of, of the guy's team leader, right? So, so when I'm writing, like I have decisions to make. Okay, so they return from a case. Is he immediately going to pick up the dog or is he too tired? So is he going to sleep in and then pick up the dog? What's best for the dog? Right? Is he going <laughs> yeah. to be selfish and be like, I want my dog? even though he knows he's going to sleep in, so he won't be up early to walk the dog. Or is he going to say, I'm really tired. I do miss my dog, but it's better if they stay where they're staying now because they can wake up early and take him out for a good long walk. And then when I wake up, I can pick him up and he's happy and I'm happy. So those are decisions. Yeah. But what's the, wouldn't it be better for the dog to live where it's living? Because it's not fair to keep moving them. Oh, but it's but the thing is, it's all on. So it's an it's an estate. So the dog is familiar with the entire area. Yeah, but they still need to bond with their people. True, true. But there's there's Lou. This is the thing. There's jobs that got to be done. So you do the best you can. <laughs> I know, I know. But you know, you know what I'm like with my dogs. <laughs> Yeah. My life revolves around my dogs, so I couldn't possibly have time to solve a murder. <laughs> you know, not no, without but, taking my dogs with me. But some dogs are less high maintenance. <laughs> That's true. This I've had those, and Tom was less high maintenance. So this dog's called <laughs> Angus. And he's not very high maintenance. So I think the reason, so I probably write that in there at some point. The reason he's staying with those people is because he got attached to them. So it was not a, so maybe at the beginning. So this the, the series basically starts four years after this guy, the dog's owner, joins their community. Uh, he, like he's fled his husband like four years ago with the dog. Yeah. Um. So in the meantime, they've got this sort of rhythm going on. So like early on, like the dog was probably very attached to him, you know, but as he became part of the community and started working with them and became part of a team that like solves mysteries and, and supernatural crimes, the dog has just become attached to one of the other people. And another thing I'm going to so- do, so this is something I wanted to ask you actually. So in one of the in, in one of the books, this particular guy returns to his family. And I will not spoil why the dog cannot come. But he can really cannot come. It's not selfishness, though he really cannot come. Um, because the guy is not exactly human. Uh, the owner is not exactly human. So the dog cannot come where he goes to return to his family. So what then happens is that his team leader actually stays at the guy's cabin with the dog. So he doesn't take the dog away to their own house. He actually stays in the house that the dog knows 
with the dog until okay. the returns. Can you can, okay? Is that okay for you? Yeah, yeah. I, but what's the purpose of the dog in the novel? The, well, I mean, what's the purpose of the animals in our lives? They are just there. Well, they, it's the they same help as, us grow. It's the same as asking, why do you write random, diverse people? What's the purpose of that? Well, just because it's a, it's a, it's a representation of society. And they do, like animals do limit us to a certain extent yeah. or they help us grow. Right, but that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean they have to consistently work on the with the plot, right? They just I think it makes it more human the stories, mm. and especially like so in my series, it's all very nature oriented, right? They're trying to save Earth uh, and the different supernatural species on Earth, right? So they have a very they like other beings better than they like humans right because humans are the ones who fuck everything up so for me it's very common so it's yeah. not for me so in, in in none of my stories people own the, the main characters the community that i'm writing from the, the their perspective they don't own animals it's more a it's more a the animal chose them like a guardianship. Yes, it's like, so in my other series, there's lots of animals, but it's all stray animals who just passed through town and decided to stay. Mm. So it's not that people like go to a shelter or buy a very expensive, they will be in the story, but they will be the people they're investigating. So in, in the current book I'm writing, there's a lot of torture going on uh, in the cats. So I will be describing people who own, like, who breed particular breeds, right? That is not something yeah. I'm a fan of, right? But it function, it, it has a function in the plot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, think, I think it's just the emotional connection. And that's why it makes, for me, it make it difficult. So why don't you give him another animal that you have less emotional attachment to? Oh no, like a cat. No, I'd still have that emotional connection to a cat. I get it though, but so for me, it'll be better. Realism as well. Like if I look around me, there's everybody has pets. Maybe not as much here in Cyprus because yeah. pets are regarded differently here. Um, but like in, yeah. in the Netherlands, it's almost like. You don't have a pet, like how? Like where's your heart? Like how can you <laughs> let your children grow up without an animal? Right, that's not good for their development. That's like sort of the the discourse in the Netherlands. Um, so for me, it's like even if they don't add anything relevant to the plot, at least it's some character building. Like what kind of pet? Would yeah, it be? yeah. So I suppose. I suppose. So do you write as if animals do not exist or do you give your characters reasons why they don't have pets? Um, 
Well, because I'm not writing about like you, I'm not writing about people who are human or when I am writing about people who, who are human-ish, they're not, it's not set in this world. Mm, yeah, mine is. So even if I write about non-human humans, so this this guy is a <laughs> this guy is a shapeshifter. <laughs> the one I'm talking about, one of my four main characters in my new series, he's a shapeshifter, right? And yeah. um, so he's not his human form is not original, but for some reasons I won't spoil just in case I ever get to publish this beast of work and people actually want to read it. He cannot return to his other shape. So for all intents and purposes, he's been human for the past four years. So, but it's still very grounded in the natural world. So it's like, mm. I, I tend to write sort of like, in, in my one series, magic is part of the world. It's just humans don't really know how to do with it. So there's a bit of, a, you know, people panic a little bit around it, but it does exist within the world. Yeah, in my in, in the series I'm writing now, so the, the the really big one, it is more a some people can see beyond the veil towards like supernatural creatures and stuff, and other people simply can't, so they don't know it exists. So it's everywhere basically, but if you don't have like the sight, you won't notice all the different yeah. beings around you. But it's still, so my main characters have to deal with both worlds and try to balance them. Because they are humans. Most of them are actual humans. Uh, It's just that they have the gift of the sight so they can see beyond the veil. The trouble is, if I was writing about what I see and the way that I see animals being treated, it wouldn't be very pleasant. Well, so think, if I was making it that realistic. Yeah, but you can also, so first of all, you can write, you can write the worlds, you can you can imagine the world the way you would love them to be. But like all my mm. characters, literally both of the worlds I've created are completely plant-based. It's not realistic, but it's definitely something that I would love for to happen, right? So I just subtly put that in there. And yeah. as for so as for animals, you could just give you could just acknowledge that animals exist and just you know have nothing happen to them. But yeah, I understand what you mean because like the novel that I'm writing right now, there's so much torture, and I'm sort of in the I'm officially still plotting, but as I'm figuring out the plot, I started writing scenes. So it's a bit of a it's a bit of a messy situation right now, which I'm completely embracing because. Writing first draft is really hard for me. So if scenes just come to me as I'm plotting, I'm just gonna, you know, <laughs> go with it. But that 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 part is gonna be really hard when they're actually gonna when they're actually gonna witness what's happening to these animals. Um, that's gonna happen in one scene. And I think a lot mm. of my anger of the things that happen here in Cyprus is sort of channeled into that. Yeah, yeah. This is probably why I found, because this is a practice, it's actually a Scottish practice that hasn't been done since like the 17th century or something. Uh, 
on the early 18th century, I think. It's like a, a type of divination. And I think it struck me as I can build a whole like mysterious case around it. I think that was, I got the sort of the, yes, I'm going to, because of what's happened here in Cyprus and it's still happening. Um, but that doesn't make it pleasant to write. It's going to be, I think it's going to be very, when I actually write it, I think it's going to be really cathartic for me. So, yeah. That, you'll have to let us know when you've done that. Yeah, I'm hoping. So, um, as we record this, don't ask me when this comes out, um, but I'm guessing early November. So NaNoWriMo will have started. So I'm hoping, but I'm hoping to actually do a big chunk of the writing during NaNoWriMo. So yeah, I'll okay. I was like, at one point I had to, um, so this is where it becomes hard for me. Like I was like, oh, I can do this. Like, this is a really interesting topic to write about. And then at one point I came in the plot, I came to, okay, so if they torture these animals, right, what does that look like? Because I have like, I have my people, so my main characters find the space where they do it. So they have to come in and sort of take stock, right? Like what's happening in this space, right? So they'll find like walls covered in animal cages, stuff like that. But of course, they also find the, the stuff used to hold the animals as they torture them and that like having to mm. envision that that was really painful during the plotting yeah and at the same time i was sort of like horrified that i was giving people ideas so yeah. that's going to be a really interesting balancing act for me because obviously i want to tell people not to pick up this really old practice because this used to be a practice uh, in Scotland, um, uh, the torturing of, of cats for divination purposes. So I, I, I mean, I don't want people to think, oh, right, we used to do that. Let's pick it up again. Um, but that was really yeah. hard. I don't, I don't think the people reading your books would be those type of people, though. No, I'm going to make it very clear that it has consequences. Good. <laughs> So yeah, I do. So so interestingly, putting animals in my writing does not come natural to me. Like I really have to, especially like in in a first draft or a first plot outline. It's usually just about the characters and like the quest, basically, right? Like what what's the story? Like what are the like where do they start? Where do they go? How does it end? And I really have to remind myself to put animals in there. So it doesn't actually come natural to me. Yeah. Put them in there. But at one point I was like, I write, I write about peoples who are so attuned to nature. So how is it possible that the villages and the spaces where they live, I create are completely empty of companion species right <laughs> so i was like that it does not sound natural to me right these should all be animal lovers so that's when i okay so then i was like okay but i don't want to create a people who are just like i want to own an animal 
So that's when I, for my one, one, for my one world, I came up with, they either like come across an animal who got like hit on the road or something. So they take care of it. And then they try to find the owner. And if they can't, they'll just, you know, if the, if the animal wants to stay with them, the animal can stay. Right. So there's a lot of, Everyone has like if you if you have a dog that just decides like oh I, I just I want to live here, it's almost like an unspoken rule that you have to create something some kind of door in your in your doorway, so the animal if they want to up and leave you they can. <laughs> There's a lot of agents yeah. giving to the animals, so you have to keep treating them well, otherwise they'll just be gone. Um, but also if if you know if they need to move on. For whatever reason, they can. So it's not an ownership. They don't think about animals in terms of ownership. No. No. Yeah, it, it's it's a weird one. It's a weird one. It's because I think the other thing is, if I started introducing animals, the story would become about the animal. That's I'd be drawn that way. <laughs> so that's what you're afraid of. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I've been cuddling Lily while we've been talking all the way through. She's snoring away. <laughs> Who's to say that yeah. that is not actually your strength? Maybe, maybe. Um, but it's it's a different story to the one that I was planning to write. If you see what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. And it does, I mean, setting matters, right? Because like mine is sad on earth in this day and age. It's just almost like yeah, like a semi-separate, they're both semi-separate communities who do deal with regular humans. Yeah. And you're it's it's definitely yeah, it's definitely something to consider in terms of be no i don't know whether it's been realistic or whether it's been more holistic you know the whole the complete picture mm. considering animals yeah and i think like let's say you write like really intense epic space opera right like where's the space for animals on the ships yeah, I mean, people, they do have animals on ships, don't they? You know, like in some space opera, they do have dogs particularly. But, um, but there's a reason for that, I'm guessing. Why the dog? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's... Like uh, a cat, an alien. Yeah, well, Red Dwarf, the cat becomes human, doesn't it? In yeah. Red Dwarf. Oh God! Now I have tongue tied the song in my head. <laughs> I love Red Dwarf. It's like one. Of the, I do. It's one of my favorite series. I I, I don't think it's appreciated <laughs> enough worldwide. And I once <laughs> saw the first episode of like the US rendition, and it's horrid. You cannot translate that kind of humor. Okay, I've not seen it. Oh, it was it was really bad. I, I actually saw it for a, a. I did a paper on Red Dwarf when I was still at uni, <laughs> so I actually yeah, saw the the US version, 
as sort of like how does that transition and it's not at all it's really it's really bad uh yeah uh, i love red wolf yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but again, so the cat, the cat gets human because the cat's, you know, because of what happened, the cat is sort of like becomes it evolves. A, yeah, he evolves. Yeah, human form. Yeah, 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 yeah. But animals, when, uh, because they're always because because he wants to go to Fiji, right? And he wants sheep. Yes. Right. Yes. So the story comes up again and again. It's like. He still wants to go back to Fiji, but it's like, I don't know how long it's been, right, since we left Earth. And it's like, you really think the sheep is still there? Uh, it's been a while. <laughs> touched up on Earth. Uh, but he still has this sort of like, I just want to go to Fiji. <laughs> yeah, and he snuck the cat on board. Lister. Yeah. So, yeah, if, so people, if you're listening and you haven't watched Red Dwarf, to watch it. <laughs> Did watch Red Wolf. Yeah, it's really good. I didn't know you knew that one. Um, but yeah, I loved it. <laughs> yeah, so there so there's like okay, so the, but this is a, so they have an animal, but they have changed the animal to suit the story. Well, yeah, and the animal is central. That's the other thing. It becomes central. Well, like a secondary character. It is. It's like it's like I, I would say, yeah, like like yeah, because we've got two main characters, and then I think uh, he's like the second, and then of course the, when the android joins, he's also a secondary character. Uh, mm. Yeah, yeah. So so it, it is done, but I would say like like if you write historical romance, also there's a different there was a different attitude in those days towards. How yeah. treated. So you have to take that into account, like how are animals treated these days? Yeah. Yeah. When you write. So I think you can and maybe it is easier to write like a dog into a romance novel uh, than it is. Well, although you know what? There are actually a lot of cats and some dogs in cozy mysteries, like talking cats. So talking animals, that is very common. Okay, that is very common. And even though, and even I'm thinking of Penelope Cress. I don't know if if you've met the author in in Edinburgh. I did. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Well, she writes cozy mystery, so there is no talking cats, but there's definitely a lot of cats in the story. Like she she feeds a stray population of cats. And it really, ah. really fits the, I think animals really fit the cozy mystery kind of um, the genre. And I do like, I, I, I do, I see a lot of cozy mysteries on Kickstarter and a lot of them have like, uh, like either a speaking animal, like a, a cat who actually speaks to them, like either actually speaks or they have like this sort of connection between them that the, the main character wake, wakes up to or already has woken up to, or it's the cat in another way shows the clues, like guides the main character through finding out who done it. And then some of them, it's um. but some of them actually do have uh, dogs as well. But I think cats, but I think because we see cats as very spiritual creatures, 
Yeah. But also, cats aren't such a problem in novels. In You know, as in they don't need, the needs aren't so great as dogs. Yeah. You don't have to walk the, um, it's not, you can leave them, they can entertain themselves. Yeah, they can, and they can, even to no, a certain extent, they can vent for themselves as well. Yeah. They're not as tying as dogs. I just feel that too many authors have dogs in the novel and then they have characters that are out saving the world and the dog's at home, <laughs> alone. So Pining. So I write against the grain a lot in terms of I see something in a novel which I don't appreciate, so I'm like, I'm going to write the exact opposite. Yeah, that's interesting, yeah. I do that a lot. Um, like, for example, my magic system in one of my novels is based on the fact that people get tired and that they need energy, so they need sleep, they need to be well-fed, they need proper concentration, they need to train that. And that is because when I when I read Harry Potter, I was annoyed by that magic is just a given. Mm. That just annoyed me. Like, it's so convenient. Yeah, because nothing in life is no. So for, so just I, like that. So I was like, if I ever write, like, a fantasy story, there's going to be, if, you, if you've had a really bad day, if, you ha- if you've kept up all night because of nightmares, yeah, your magic is going to be out of whack and shit might happen. Or, like, you may run out mm. of it. And then what? Mm. Right? Because you have not taken proper care of yourself. So you skip breakfast. And then you enter into a situation and you're like, shit. Right? So more realistic to how we are in life. Right? There are certain things that yeah. when we take care of ourselves properly, we're more resilient. But then as soon as we're like, okay, so we went to bed too late. Maybe we skipped the healthy breakfast. And then we run into something and then it's like anxiety or you're just tired or so I kind of wanted to translate that into, you know, just that your magic doesn't mean that you can just get away with like taking really bad care yeah. of yourself. And so I wanted that to be more realistic. It's funny how you like all oh, my magic system to be realistic that I know that's, you know, it's sort of a conundrum to begin with. Um but yeah, that's no, that's, but that makes sense. So for me, so I read stuff in other people's work that annoys me, and then I basically mm. just write it how I would want to see it. So I'm like, you are clearly not hearing that call I do when I read stuff like that. Yeah. So instead of uh, the knock on the door, say, "Come on, come on, help!" Um, sorry, I can't leave. I can't leave my dogs. I've been out all day today, so I can't come out tonight. Yeah. Yes, or just like write a character in the write a character into the series who knows the dogs really well, like a neighbor who knows how important yeah. your job is, and who's like, it's fine, I'll take care of them, I'll sit with them the entire evening. Yeah. Right, and I mean you, that doesn't mean that you cannot have your characters feel guilty around having to right having to spend time away from 
the pet they've chosen as their companion, right? Yeah, they they do for kids, don't they? And I mean, you I, know when they're the like kids in, they, they do. Yeah, I did not. I did not. I do not have animals for purely for my entertainment, right? I have an, I adopted animals because they needed a home and they needed to be taken care of properly, which means snuggles. That's yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm having snuggles now with both of them. I know. But I woke well, up. Well, my foot's got that, but I, I woke up in the middle of the night and I couldn't move my legs because I had the two sisters. <laughs> We're just, they're just, I, I was like diagonal in the bed. Like my legs were almost out of the bed because they were just cut out. Yeah. It's weird how you accommodate them. Your body naturally accommodates them. You don't kick them or anything during the night. No, but that's the same. Like I know so many people who like, get scared of the idea of sleeping in bed with their babies because they're like afraid they're gonna don't think that's gonna happen are you talking about human babies now yeah i think we're way too alert for that yeah well yeah most people are unless you use drugs or alcohol or smoke but so anything that compromises you your intuition yeah. Yeah. No, so yeah. But yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure if I was blackout drunk, I would probably kick it yeah. off the bed. Yeah. Right. But that's well, Lily, Lily boots me in the face plenty of times, but I've never, I've never, uh, well, I always mold around her. So. Yeah, well, they don't take care of us the way for them. No, no. Yeah, if you could see her now, she's upside down with one paw stuck into my armpit. She's snoring, and a little—I've I've got my other hand on a little belly, which is all soft and warm and squidgy. So you know what's funny. That we both love animals dearly. Yeah. And for me, that was when I realized that in my first series, there were hardly any animals. There were actually no pets, right? I was like, how could I have written? I felt really guilty. Like, how could I have written a world <laughs> in which people do not have animals? And I think one of the main reasons is, is because... I'm writing a world where people do not depend on animals, so they don't eat meat. They don't use um, – I have it written in the story that they used, they used to use pigeons for, for male, right? But they've evolved the system, so they don't need to use animals for that anymore. So they've completely evolved from being dependent on animals in whatever way i think that's why i originally did not have animals and then i was like i also don't like the idea that people are like own there there's ownership so i was like how do i give these people animals without making it like oh they're just you know what we're used to we, we have animals because we want animals so that's yeah. why I came up and with you can 
the stray animals who are just like, you know what? And it actually, have to, especially with cats, it often happens. Although I think also the same goes for dogs, actually. If you're ready for a new animal, it will show up. And whether that's online or in real life, like, um, yeah, they will, they will often show up at the best possible time or you know, it could feel like the worst possible time, but for them, it's the best. <laughs> uh, yeah. So later on, you're like, you know, oh, yeah, that was meant to be. So that's kind of how I wanted yeah. to do that. So, but um, what I'm trying to say is that I felt bad for not having animals because I'm such an animal lover. And I mean, I'm an animal lover to the extent that I don't eat animals. And the only creatures I kill are cockroaches and mosquitoes who actively bite me. Otherwise, I'll leave them alone. Right? If they're not in my bedroom, I'll leave them alone. So that's the that's how far I take my love for animals. And then I was like, I was like, how can I not have them in my work? But for you, it's like your yeah. love for animals is the reason why you're like, I can't do that because yeah, that's it. I don't know how to write it. Yeah. I, I could write. And yeah, no, could I? I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say I could write a book that centered around an animal, but it's it, I, I wouldn't want to let anything bad happen to them. So it'd be a really boring story. But that I mean that's why I'm like it's the it would be so easy for you to just add them like like this person just happens to have a pet. That's very common. Doesn't mean anything yeah. ever happens to the individual or the pet. They're just like your neighbor with the cats. Or yes. your neighbor with the with or, the yeah. But they'd have to look after the dog or the cat properly. And that would mean vets. It would mean but they've been home to feed them and take care right. of them. And yeah, but you're writing them for peripheral characters, so you can just write the characters as looking as if they look after their animals properly. You don't give animal, you don't give the animals to your periphery characters or your secondary tertiary characters who are not represented well. That's how you okay. deal with that. You don't have to have like a sort of scene from another perspective showing that this person takes proper care. Right. If yeah. your main character appreciates an individual, right, we're going to assume, yeah. like, when you meet someone, maybe you do actually, I can completely see you doing it. When you meet someone with an animal, do you just trust that they take care of their animal just from their vibe? Or do you actually, you know what, before we start this conversation, can you show me their vaccination? Um <laughs> When was the last time you had them vaccinated? When was the last time you had them deworked? When was the last time you had that? Yeah, you got them to the vet to get their nails clipped. Like, no, I don't do that. No, I don't do that. So it's a it's a vibe thing. You're like you see. Well, it, it you like you you would. Yes, during the conversation, you get how important the animal is to them. The, from the way they talk about the animal. And you do get, you get people who love their animals, but don't look after them. Yeah. So for me, that means then not loving them in the right way, but that's, I'm, I am very opinionated about that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's what the animal can do for them. Not, 
it's not the responsibility that I feel with my animals to make sure that they have a really happy, fulfilled life. But so for me, I'm like, which is why, which is why we're recording this podcast so early, so that I can drive Luca to his herding lesson, which is an hour's drive away. Yeah, so just for those, it's uh, it's 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 we're recording this for for Lou between seven and eight a.m. So just so you know how much she loves her animals, but I'm just trying. <laughs> I'm just like it's so easy for me. It would be so easy to have a character who like lives in the same building of your main character who doesn't have a pet, and the, the things that your character can notice is that the person buys a proper brand of food. Yeah, right. That's something. Or they can run into the person in the elevator and then the, the, the animal is like, maybe the animal is whining and you're like, oh, is he okay? And then she's like, oh yeah, he knows we're going to the vet for the yearly vaccination. That's it. <laughs> so it's like you, you, make, you make this a whole, like, how can I then show that the animal is <laughs> It's really easy. I think so anyway. For me, it's like you just put whatever you want to see when you walk across someone or you, you pass someone who has an animal, like all the good signs for you, you can just sneak them and you don't have to have entire scenes, conversations about how often a person goes to a vet and like how much money they spend on proper food for them. You can just have that in passing like, oh, no, ignore him. He, he feels we're going to the vet for the, I don't, I don't know what to do <laughs> to get their ears, to get their teeth checked or their um, teeth polished. Ears checked. I don't know what to do with dogs. I don't have dogs. I have cats. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not hard. Yeah. But to me, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Again. Yeah. Genre dependent because depending on where a person lives, they might not easily run into people. But then, like, like if they can have like a colleague who's like late, and why are they late? Well, they had to take their their animal to the vet. Oh, oh gosh, Lou. I hope he's not sick. <laughs> well, that's you. You're the writer. You can you can have a couple of days late to say, oh no, it was nothing. He just swallowed something. And it was nothing. He's fine now. You're the writer. <laughs> you can decide whether they get killed or not. Yeah, but you know how it goes. You start off as the writer. You start off as in control. And then your characters take over. Well, if that happens, then it means there's a purpose to the animal dying. And there will be a lesson <gasps> somewhere. Oh, no dying. Sorry, Luca. Now I said. Sorry, darling. I triggered her now. <laughs> you made you made me lift. He, he he was shocked enough to lift his head. You can't even hear me. You're wearing headphones. No, it was my reaction to your comment. My he can <laughs> probably hear you. Uh. He can probably hear you through the headphones. Actually, I didn't mean it, Luke. I'm sorry because he's hearing. So, would you see it like so? so I, I know that sometimes characters take over, but especially, so again, this is only relevant if the animals have a big enough role in the story. So why not give them really minor roles? They're just there. It's part of the background. Okay. 
But that's got problems within itself. I don't want people to think that animals are just in the background. No, but that's again, like you can have the characters who own these animals prioritize these animals. But that doesn't dedicate mean... to them. Yeah, you can write them. That doesn't mean your main character, because your main character will have their their own reason not to have animals. Yeah. Okay. That to say, you okay, that's to, you don't have to put animals in your work. I'm just saying it is no, it's do it in a proper way and to show the world in that how you want animals to be treated. And it's something to think about. You know how much hours I've spent originally on then naming the animals as if it's not <laughs> hard enough to name the characters. Right? Now you also have to name the animals. Is that easier or harder? Easier for me, but also for my one series, I eventually decided when um, we lost all the cats here in Cyprus, when they were murdered on the 1st of January, two years ago, I actually decided yeah. to honor all those cats. So I, all the cats that I have in the novel have been given the names of the cats who died. Oh. So for somebody reading the novel, it's going to be really weird because it's going to be a mixture of British-sounding names, Russian-sounding names, Cypriot-sounding names. So I'm sure they're going to be really, huh? That's really weird. Um, but I'm also going to do this. I'm going to do this thing that people just know the animal's name. Yeah. So it's like the animal up. They get a sense. Yeah, this is your name. Okay, that's great. But people do have different names, don't they? For animals, they do use, you know, like you say, Russian-sounding names. Or even yeah. in the UK, you'd use there's, there's lots of dogs with Russian-sounding names, especially if they're Russian breeds. <laughs> yeah. Or you d you do get that. I, I remember when they're the same with their kids. <laughs> I remember when I when I just met Andre, and we were walking down the beach, and I was sort of like showing, like telling her all the like I was showing her all the cats who were then still alive, of course, and just telling them how they were named. And she was sort of like bristling, like why are they all, why are they all, why why are all those names so British? And I'm like, well, yeah, because the people who feed them, most of them are British. And I was like, I was like, okay, great. So you used to have a guinea pig. What was what was its name? So like give me some inspiration. And then she was like, Billy. So the whole idea that we have to give them Cypriot names, like my neighbor's dog is called Marcelo. My other neighbor's dog is called uh also something Spanish, oh Chicos. And then my other neighbor's dog is called Tiger. So I am actually, I think, the only idiot now who calls gives new cats that show up Cypriot names. <laughs> but it was because Andrea was like, you, they're also British. Well, her guinea pig used to be called Billy, so I don't think she has any leg to stand on. No, she hasn't. She um, hasn't. Uh, but it's become a thing. So I'm trying to give them Cypriot names now. But yeah, like I'm like the dogs around me. Right, like even so, so my one neighbor doesn't speak Greek. Um, she's trying to teach me now. Like I was like, okay, so what's the what's your dog's name? And she's like Chicos, 
España. And I'm like, yeah, that's a very Spanish name. <laughs> I'm like, great. Okay. So that's, that's, that's yeah. So yeah, so th so that's why, mm -hmm. like for me, that made it easier for that for that series to come up with the names because I've just decided all the cats that we lost, I'm just gonna give them a spot in the novel. Hey, yes. So animals, we do and we don't. <laughs> and I, the funny thing is, we do and we don't for almost the exact same reason. Thank you for listening. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter or visit our website at divingintowriting.com. We'd love to hear from you and if you'd like to leave us a review, we'd be ever so grateful. Bye for now.